This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that doesn't have much stock in short sellers. But I'll leave that rant for a little bit later in the podcast. I'm, as always, Scott Phillips, and with me is a nearby Mahanti. G'day, Doc. Good day, Captain. How, How are, are you? you? Mate, oh, well, look. Uh, that's not good, huh? Yeah? <laughs> dear, oh dear. Between my two-hour commute to the studio this morning and the fact that corporal travel management at the time of recording is down about 15%, I have been better, and I will, uh, I will tee off on that a little bit later, but not just yet. We are going to talk about that, though. We're going to talk about the corporate travel. Well, it wasn't a trading halt. Now the shares are out, and the, the story isn't pretty. So we're going to try and work out what to think about the corporate travel short sale. Uh, we're also going to talk about Kogan. Speaking of share prices collapsing, we're going to touch on BWX, another one, a trio of companies in a little bit of trouble. We might also talk about, well, I'm going to jump on my high horse. I'm not even going to high horse and rant about that particularly doc so i'll try and i'll try and separate them a little bit but let's before we get into any of that stuff because you know i will uh, get on that high horse and ride it as far as long as i can let's start with corporate travel management now the company has been in a trading halt for the first two days of this week and i should i should say by the way we're recording this on a wednesday not a friday because as you're listening to this fools i am somewhere in the jungles of papua new guinea trying desperately to finish the kokoda track that's where i'm off for the next eight days um as you listen to this it literally will be my first day of trekking and uh, hopefully i'm i'm off to a good start we can only hope we can only hope wish me luck um doc so wednesday morning mm-hmm. it, the shares are out of a trading halt they're down about 17 percent, give or take i'll grab a it'll move around while we do the podcast it'll be about that thereabouts Basically, the short seller out of, I think, the US and the overseas have come out and said, hey, there's 20 red flags we've got and 20 reasons we think corporate travel is somewhere between overvalued and outright. Oh, I, don't, I don't think they've used any of the words that require me to say alleged. Let's just say mismanaged. Let's go, let's mm. go with that. Um, everything from revenue recognition rules through to phantom offices that don't exist, cash balances, lack of interest being earned, overpaying for acquisitions, too much goodwill and about 15 more of them. Now, at some point this morning, well, overnight, Credit Suisse come out and said the shares could halve. So, hey, if you're a corporate travel shareholder, and I am, for full disclosure, uh, you'd be happy with a fall of about 17%, <laughs> given, given they were predicting it could be up to 50 <laughs> The company came out this morning with a pretty strong, I thought, rebuttal point by point of VGI's case. But I am the shareholder. It's a recommendation of mine. <laughs> I am I'm completely biased. What do you reckon? What did you see of this morning, and what are you thinking now about corporate travel management? All right, Captain. So I actually completely uh, detest <laughs> short sellers. <laughs> uh, I'm among, you're among friends, mate. Uh, just so um, yeah, I, I have a biased view there, but I'll try to be as objective as I can. All right. So, so some of the things that they're, they're talking about is, well, you know, this is a it's basically a travel business. So why should it, uh, mm. you know, have margins higher than say other travel businesses? And, and corporate travel, for example, came back and said, "Well, look, the other travel businesses you're comparing against are mostly leisure oriented, with a business oriented or business focused, you know, business travel focused mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. company. So that therefore our margin profile uh, can be and should be different, right. which kind of makes sense. Yep. Um, you know, the phantom offices stuff. You know, that so they do have a few phantom offices. You know, here's so what's, how, a, what's a phantom office? So phantom, phantom office is an office that you know is there but there's nobody's there like it's a post box <laughs> po, po, you know PO box office or an office which is basically closed right. now this can happen for a number of reasons and actually I would say that many many companies have phantom offices and the reason for that is you know if you're operating you know across multiple geographies you would need an office maybe for registration purposes for having a, you know if you have an Australian if an American, American company has an Australian office they might have a PO box somewhere in Sydney with actually no physical um, um, you know presence right, right. But, that's not that big a deal uh, to me. 
I mean, you know, that those sort of things happen. They also talked about things like, you know, hey, there's a, you know, you claim patented technology. I mean, and you don't have any patents. You know, that's just poor use of language on their yeah. part. Uh, you know, we shouldn't excuse them for poor, poor use of language. Um, you know, many such things. I think the bottom line fact they're talking about, this is basically a roll-up. Um, you know, it's a roll-up play. Roll-up as in, you know, uh, you use the higher multiple of the shares in the, mm-hmm. in the in the share market and use that to buy other smaller businesses yep. and you use use it as an arbitrage to essentially grow your earnings. Now, if you, so let me, let me break that down very quickly because that's a kind of a, a big, big topic you've gone through in about 13 seconds. Basically, what companies can do, some companies do, and there's nothing wrong with it necessarily as long as it's done well. If your shares are trading at 20 times earnings, for example, and you can sell more of those to the market to get some cash – and you can buy a business that's on, say, five times earnings. You can you can get a really, really nice, effectively re-rating, right? Because all of a sudden, your new earnings you buy are going to be rated by the market at four times the price you're paying for mm. them. You pay four times. The market says, well, the company's worth five times. The company's worth 20 times. Therefore, that dollar of earnings that was worth $5 it's all of a sudden worth twenty bucks, and that's the arbitrage you talk about. Yeah. So, so that, and then, and if you if you're operating in sort of a fragmented industry, this is mm. an opportunity for someone to actually consolidate power, mm. uh, and you know get the arbitrage uh, that you just talked about, and 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 therefore, uh, what these guys are claiming is that you know the earnings growth that you're getting is actually mostly coming from acquisitions, mm. and you know it's, it's, there's no organic growth here, or there's very little organic growth. Um, so, uh, I mean, maybe it's, you know the truth maybe is halfway somewhere there. Like, you know, there is organic growth, but not that much as ah. you'd expect. And and that arbitrage is really happening. But there's nothing wrong with arbitrage mm. if it's being done properly. And as uh, corporate travel has rebutted, it's basically said that, look, we have bought all these businesses, but our underlying earnings, right. which after dilution, has also compounded at a pretty you know, 30% or something like that, 35% pace uh, annually. That's pretty substantial. So I, I think, you know, one, you know, this looks like a short based on valuation. And by that, I basically mean these guys are saying this is overvalued mm-hmm. and therefore it should come down. I find those short cases to be really difficult because, you know, the market can stay overvalued for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one person's overvaluation could be another person's <laughs> fair value. Uh, and valuations have a wide range of, you know, numbers, right? So I think that that's part of the problem here. And um, the truth might also be that, you know, a company like this, as it becomes bigger, um, it becomes harder to find this sort of growth. And that's that's a, in that that's really true for most, uh, you know, roll-up plays. Right. Because as you become bigger, you need to find bigger and bigger things to actually get, mm-hmm. get that earning. So, you know, it, it could be that, you know, over time, the earnings growth slows down because yep. you can't repeat this process. That should almost be definition, right? You can't, you can't go sure, to the sky. Yeah. You're going to have to at some point. And, yeah, they're, I don't know how many billion dollars, $3 billion business now when they were a half a yeah. million dollar business. It's a whole different story. Exactly. And they're a $5 million business, then a half $50 million business. But I think it's $3 billion um, to move the dial. You know, they've been, they've been growing profits at, at 30 40% a year. Yeah. If you, now, half of that's come from organic growth, by the way, so that still yeah. remains strong. But if you're going to try and acquire 20% growth, yeah. it starts to get a very, very, what's that, $600 million business you've effectively got to buy, at least in yeah. market cap terms. Yeah. Um, that's that's hard to find, hard to execute well, hard to pay a decent yeah. price. It more. gets harder. And I mean, somewhere in the paper, I read that, you know, uh, one of the classic examples is toll buying Japan Post. <laughs> right, <laughs> that right, was right. a big bungle. So, I mean, something like this can happen, but it hasn't yet happened. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as I said, you know, valuation-based shorting is hard. Um yeah, my take is that you know um, some of the share prices down. You know, again, we can't. You know, it's hard to spec. It's always good. To, it's good to fun to speculate. <laughs> we can speculate. It's not very useful. <laughs> not very useful. No. It's done because you know some people are just scared, and I mean, yep. you know, and some people have sold. And if yeah, so you know, yeah, uh, again. 
We'll talk a little bit about optimism and pessimism in a future podcast. I think I'll, I'll echo your point just to say that pessimism, well, firstly, humans feel fear about the, about three times as much, or sorry, loss, about three times as much as we feel the joy of a gain of a similar amount. So in other words, um, we're three times more uh, unhappy than we are happy when it comes to exactly the same change, 5% loss, 5% gain, for example. Um, add to that the fact that whenever there's bad news around, pessimism seems smarter, right? The whole idea of she'll be right, or I think it's okay, or no, the future could be good. It's kind of interesting when someone says, I think this is going to fall by half. It's like, oh, maybe he's right. Maybe I better be careful here. Maybe I don't want to get caught in that. I better sell just in case. The very presence of a short case is going to be enough to see many shareholders sell just to get out, particularly those who, frankly, in a company like Corporate Travel, made well, – the shares were up about 10x from, from when we recommended it first mm-hmm. in ShareAdvisor. They're certainly uh, a lot less than that now, given the falls. 8x is still pretty good, well, right? Well, that's the thing. <laughs> or but, 9x or whatever it is. And, right? and some people are saying, well, exactly. Well, I'll take the money then. I, you know, I, I don't want to jeopardize it. Maybe VGO is right. If they are, I'm going to walk away and just take my money off the table. I get that sense. I get that feeling. Uh, you're right. So just, just my view very quickly on Corporate Travel. I think the business was – uh, look, they should have been clear about revenue recognition changes. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing. Second thing, the phantom offices, it's not a big deal here or there. It is what it is. You know, It's just life, right? It's on, on the website. It shouldn't yeah. have been, you know, the, the offices are closed. It doesn't really matter. I think that the bigger concern overall is it's just, you know, whether whether there's enough uh, fear being driven by VGO to make money only from the fear itself, let alone mm-hmm. whatever happens yeah. from here. Uh, but the rebuttal was very, very serious, very solid from corporate travel. And frankly, I think it's probably a pretty decent case. Right now, given the strength of the rebuttal, either corporate travel are almost effectively lying or the short case is much, much, much weaker than most people believe. Mm-hmm. They've, they've come out very strongly and said, okay, here's our response to all of this stuff. Um, if, if Again, if we can believe corporate travel's responses, if they're telling the truth, then the, the short case is very, very weak. Yeah. If they're lying to us, then it's a whole different problem. Uh, and you've kind of at some level got to cast a vote somewhere. Yeah. Uh, but that's the same with every, every company, every announcement, every CEO ever. At some point, you've either got to decide you want to take a, a you know a calculated risk by saying, well, I think most of the time people are telling me the truth, um, or you never invest. Get more Motley Fool money advice at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Kogan, speaking of mm. share price falls, this has been a terribly performing stock over the last, I want to say, six months or so. So much promise. Rosalind Kogan, the CEO, started the rot, I think, at a share price level by selling some shares. Mm-hmm. Um, so did his CFO, I think, or finance director. Did that twice. If that wasn't bad enough, the company came out with a very, very moderate <laughs> earnings <laughs> guidance where mm. they said, oh, gross margins are under pressure. Sales of international brands are down 70%. Mm. Um you know, we're doing our best. GS, the GST uh, not being charged by overseas websites are hurt, is hurting us. Mm. Lots and lots of reasons why we might want to dislike this. This was high of a $10 share price in March of this year. Now under 3 bucks as we record this, $2.99. <sighs> when something falls by, by two-thirds, either it deserves it or it's getting cheap, sure. Mm-hmm. I, I just checked in the morning. It uh, it has a PE of around twenty now, yeah. so that's that's interesting. L- look, I think some I mean, some business group profits at thirty or forty percent. Yeah, last so year. I mean, you know, if you think about it that way, I mean, it's cheap, right? If it can keep going, if, if it can keep going. So I think some of this is um, you know justifiable in the sense that um, the 
the drop in the international brand sales that sort of you know mm. suggests that you know it, they had an advantage in the past of where they were not charging GST and therefore you know there was like an automatic ten percent you know savings that they could make right now. Once you're charging GST, now you, you know you're all, a lot less competitive. Right, right. And then you have this competition with others, mm-hmm. uh, the, the so-called others in their in their you know who are not charging GST and therefore are ahead. Yes. Right. And you know, offshore retailers. Uh, offshore retailers. Yeah. <laughs> so and as we discussed, you know it's very difficult to compete on price, right? I mean, you know, price is all a scale mm-hmm. game, and it's, it's, it's just a tough game. But what's well, tougher, right? If you're selling the same product as somebody else, and you're forced to sell for ten percent more than they are, almost by, yeah, no, by no definition, you you're going to lose. Price. Right? Exactly. Yeah. So it's by definition. But but I think there was some. I thought in the Kogan brand sales was up. I mean, not not a whole lot, but mm. you know, up like fifteen, sixteen percent. That's mm. that's pretty okay. Um, and they have all these other things that they're trying, right? Insurance and cruise and holidays and what mobile phones, mobile phones, internet phones, connections. You know. So right. they're trying the lot, yep. uh, right? Um, and we should say, by the way, the number of customers was up 40% year on year. This is not a business that's in any sort of no. trouble from a from a customer perspective. Right. It seems to me that from what they're saying that simply the customers they have aren't buying as many products and some of them in particular are being hit in theory, at least by the GST imposition. They're just being price sensitive. Right. I, I, I think the, the genetic trend of people shopping online should help them. Right, and uh, I mean, you know, I, 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 it's 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 an interesting price to look at this company. Is what I'm, I'm going to say. Um, I, I can't I, get, I can't let you go with interesting, Doc. You got you got any more than that? <laughs> is it getting cheap enough to be to be worth buying? Do you reckon? Is it still a little bit away from that? Is there more information you need? It's it's, it's getting there. It, to me, this is a it's a good company. I like their approach towards in you know this is a company that in in a way I missed. I had spoken with them. Um, one of the things I really like that not now, mate, with the share price being down. <laughs> Well, well, when I spoke with them, it was a dollar. Oh, there you go. Okay. So I'm, I'm still 3x You're behind. You're anchoring. I'm going to talk about anchoring a little bit yeah, later. Okay. Don't steal so my thunder. I, I'm still 3x behind. Um, <laughs> no, but I, I like their approach. They're a data-driven yeah. company. Yep. Uh, they look at the data. They decide based on the data. That's a really cool way of actually running an online business, yep. uh, online retail business. Uh, still founder-run. I like lots of things about this business. I like the trend. I like the direction. Um, yeah, if the price falls by 50%, uh, then I'll take it. <laughs> Don't tell that to me. It's a, it's a current recommendation of ours at Motley Fool Share Advisors. So I'm hoping we don't fall, see a 50% fall unless, look, you know, maybe it falls by half and then and goes up by 10x. Maybe we're both happy. But uh, yeah, look, I, I think I'll, I'll try. That has happened quickly. to many other companies, it which has, have done mate. very well. Amazon in particular, speaking of online retail. Uh, look, I think that the challenge for Kogan, as you rightly point out, is whether they can sustain a differentiated business model when they're competing at a, at a material disadvantage on price. And I think that that in a nub is exactly the problem that they're facing, according to them. Uh, customer, customer accounts increasing. If you can sell more things to more people, over time, so more, if you're more relevant to more customers, that's a very, very attractive mm-hmm. business model. It's very hard to, it's very hard to go broke doing that. Yeah. You know, it's very few company corporate failures come from being more relevant to more people. They normally come from yeah. not managing a decline or you know uh, capital allocation decisions. You know, buying businesses that are rubbish or taking on too much debt. The stuff that isn't necessarily just straight out. Hey, am I popular? Am I going to be more popular in the future? I agree with you. I still think even even despite that. What is a relatively ordinary update from the company? And by the way, no, no top or bottom line numbers. We're given just lots of color and detail mm. without actually saying, well, and here's what it means. So yet to be seen what actually happens here. Um, but from a from a from analysis perspective, I think to your point, I think it's on balance still a very attractive business, still growing nicely, still got lots of customers who want to shop at Kogan. That's a very attractive place to be in a market where we've got a growing adoption and probably a decades long adoption of online retail. It's a very very nice tailwind to have at your back. Absolutely. Motley Fool Money. For more, go to fool.com.au forward slash triple M.
So let's go to the th- third in the tree. We won't spend too much on this. Too much time on yes. this one. Um, BWX. So most people don't know BWX, but I reckon a decent proportion of people listening either have or have a partner who uses the Sukin brand of mm-hmm. skincare. Uh, that's kind of that mass kind of premium, you know, affordable premium, whatever they call it. Mm. It's all natural. I don't know if it's organic, but it's certainly all natural. It's all natural. Um, the idea basically being, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nice way to treat your skin, a nice way to treat the planet. Um, that's a good kind of combination. The company was a bit of a market darling for quite a while. Mm. Uh, a buyout was attempted by the CEO and finance director in concert with private equity mob. Mm. They walked away or pushed away by BWX. We kind of think it's the former, but it may have been the latter. And now the company comes out and says, yeah, look, you know this great growth story we had? Yeah, growth's going to be, uh, let's see, subtract one, two, zero. <laughs> so, so basically they're saying we're going to do the same this year as we did last year, despite having this great tailwind, this great track record of growth. It's coming to a screeching, blinding, shuddering halt. What's going on there, mate? Is, is, is the sh- is the game over, or is there more to the BWX story that meets the? Oh, well, there's. I, I think you know. At one time, as you said, this the shares were eight dollars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now they're like below three dollars. Yes. Um, so this has been one painful. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll take the blame for this oh, one. Nice. Um, look, I think there's there's this story of this trend of you know uh, liking sort of you know naturally produced um, mm-hmm. um, skin and hair care hair care products, um, and then. You know that's good for your skin, good for your environment, good for your hair, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I think this is, this is a real trend. I think a couple of things happened to this company. You know, the manage the management did a couple of big acquisitions. Mm. Um, their their uh, their stated goal was to acquire other brands and to sort of expand into the U.S. and so on. So they went and acquired a in a, a brand in the U.S. and then basically tried to you know use the distribution of in the U.S. to actually distribute Sukin and then vice versa here. Yep. Um, makes sense. Which makes sense. Um, and then the share price sort of fell because, or you know, the management got a bit of a pushback because uh, you know the, the major funds and so on said, well, you know, you need to start growing organically and things like that. Right. The management thought, well, this is not a really a good deal. We want to you know. Uh, organize a buyout they tried a buyout that didn't really work so uh, i would say the better part of last you know six seven months were completely wasted because mm. you know for a while they had no management did it and this was right after a couple of big acquisitions well the theory that it have an acting ceo but you're, you're kind of saying they were distracted or not maybe the right people are not doing the right things the right people were not doing the right things you know like i mean you think about the board right the board was basically thrown mm. into this and said oh now, we, you know, our CEO is trying to buy our CEO and CFO are trying to buy out. I mean, if your CEO goes on vacation leave, you expect that the CFO is ready to take, <laughs> take on the role. Right, right. <laughs> Somebody, there's a succession planning, right? In this case, the two guys <laughs> basically decided we're taking, you know, this company, uh, you know, private or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, and then in the board was left running the business. I mean, so I think I, ex- I understand that for the last six, seven months, Nothing really has happened here. They've dropped the ball mm. on growth, dropped the ball on international opportunities, dropped the ball on synergies, dropped the ball on, you know, doing this cross-selling thing. It's going to be a hard road back. Yep. Um, so They do uh, say they're back on track, allegedly, but they're kind of blaming this kind of lost six months yeah, for yeah. Well, the challenges of the company. Whenever a company says, you know, we're going to be heavily skewed second <laughs> half, <laughs> you know, my, my, my one eye goes up. This one said <laughs> we are 70% skewed second oh. half. You know, I'm preparing myself mentally for mm-hmm. more pain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, if they deliver, that's good. But, you know, saying 70% second half basically means that you're expecting to do a lot of heavy lifting in the second half. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is, I think, a good company that has hit really bad management decisions, hit by mm. really bad management decisions. 
Yeah, I can't add much more to that. I think it's a, uh, you know, it's it, it does strike me as, uh, one thing I will say, it strikes me as a brand that really, it, it, they've snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. You know, this is one yeah. of those businesses that should have continued to grow and do really, really well. Um, the idea of buying into a distribution channel in the US might have been risky, but it seems like on balance done well, it could be an attractive idea. But they've just... I think they, they, you know, the old thing about they, you know, take, they're bitten off more than they can chew. Mm. Now they're chewing like mad and they're just really struggling to, to make any progress. So yeah. I completely agree with you. Value stocks, market, stock market, index, share market. This is Motley Fool Money. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Mate, we're going to go to the mailbag. Let's do and it. We've got a question from TARDIS3. I'm not sure there's three TARDISes or maybe it's TARDIS Cube. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. TARDIS3 anyway on, on Twitter. And TARDIS3, I don't have to go over girl. So TARDIS3 says, given the praise for Apple and Amazon on the podcast, surely not. Hey, have Apple. We, have awesome we, Apple. Have we, been, have we been praising Amazon and uh, Apple? I'm sure we haven't. Um, and the drop in prices this week, is it now the time to buy? Big. Can you discuss on the next podcast? Now, we should say up front, you own Apple and Amazon. I own Amazon. Um, so full disclosure there. The price of Amazon in particular mm. has, is down 28% from Amazon recent highs. Hit hard. Yeah. Apple, I don't think anywhere near as much. Apple is an awesome business. It doesn't get hit hard like that. Oh, dear, oh, dear. <laughs> let's, let, let's, try, let's try and pretend <laughs> we're, uh, we're unbiased and, and authoritative here, Doc. Yeah. Uh, is it time to jump in the water and buy some Apple and or Amazon shares based on the recent price weakness? Okay. So I'll, uh, for, I'll clarify, there has been not much of a price weakness on Apple. Apple is still relatively cheap. Uh, Amazon has seen, as you said, the shares pull back. Honestly, this morning I was actually thinking of buying some Amazon, but you know, oh, I, already, you I, I already own a lot of Amazon. I said, okay, fine. I'm going to just not buy There's more Amazon. Uh, so, you know, for what, whatever that is worth, I, you know, I think the price is attractive. This is a company with tremendous opportunity, tremendous leadership, tremendous scale, um, yeah, there's so much to like about this company. Um, the price looks good to me. Um, you know, if cheaper, even better. <laughs> uh, even though it's a large holding for myself uh, or our family. Uh, but yeah, I, I really like um, Amazon. And I really like Apple at this point. Apple actually is now our largest holding because, you know, everything else has fallen. Apple has not fallen. So. <laughs> there you go. So, uh, sometimes standing still can be a good result, so, right? Sometimes standing still could be, it could be a good result. So yeah, I, I love both companies nice. a lot. Um, that's it. That's it. Very good. I'm going to echo that sentiment. I'm an Amazon shareholder. I I will say for what it's worth, I you know people say, hey, the price has fallen. Should I buy? Um, I think Doc, you and I would say that. Well, hey, if you liked it already and the price is lower, then hey, what you'd mm-hmm. like it more. But but we both wouldn't say. I don't think either of us would say that they're only worth buying now at lower price and weren't worth buying a month ago. So to some degree, the the yeah, lower prices always make things more attractive. Sometimes they turn holds into buys uh, or, or unsures into, hey, it's worth it all of a sudden. So, you know, there, there is a point at which um, a, a lower price be, you know, pushes you to say, well, this is now attractive enough to buy. Mm. But in both cases, I think for both Doc and I, the, the those two stocks, very attractive businesses, really high quality, well run, big, big consumer franchises. Um, and I think you would have said Apple and Amazon were both worth buying a month and a half ago. I certainly Absolutely. owned yeah. Amazon and have happily owned Amazon and would, would happily buy more given the given the circumstance. And again, not that I'm waiting for anything or otherwise, just uh, yeah, we liked them a month ago. We'd like them even more now. Yep. Don't, but don't just buy because of the dip um, because that would imply that if they went up 10%, then we'd be selling again, which of <laughs> yeah, course which is not. So, um, but buy because they're great businesses and hey, you get them on special. So that's a good good thing to finish with. Brilliant. Real money advice from real people. Not just a couple of dicks with a Porsche.
Get more at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Speaking of finishing. Yes. I'm going to get up on the high horse, Doc, because okay. it's going to be tough. It's been a couple of weeks. And I'm a bit, I'm a bit motivated this week. I wrote an article last week. We talked a little bit about a correction last week, and we didn't have one person on Twitter remind me of the, the phrase I coined, the uprection, <laughs> as I like to. I don't know why you people laugh at that. So, correction: if the market falls ten percent, allegedly, I hate the term, I hate the definition. An uprection. It's got something of guys up. So you should be politically correct. You know, you should, I don't see why there's a problem just with it. Just be nice to people on the podcast. I don't have. I don't know why you're laughing. <laughs> Correction, up, correction, up. I don't understand. I don't understand why you All people right. think it's funny. Okay, okay. We're, getting, we're getting some. We're getting some congratulations from Will, our producer over there. Thank you, Will. Appreciate it, mate. Uh, so, so upreaction it is, as, as you guys well know. I'm forecasting an upreaction. Hey. I'm saying it's coming. Okay. I just don't know when. Uh, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to just just get up on the high horse again, just to kind of rant a little bit about the whole idea of the correction. Not, I mean, I hate the term anyway. More importantly, I think, so I said this on Twitter during the week. Most people agree with me. Some people said, well, you've got to call it something. The market calls a correction, so it is a correction. Effectively, the whole idea of, you know, the, like a bit like English and spelling, common usage equals approval. And okay, so on that level, yes, a correction is 10% because enough people believe it is. And that's fine. Um, though, as, as, as they say, if, you, if my grandmother had wheels, she'd be a bicycle. So, you know, you, you, at some level, you can't just say it is and, and expect it to be true. But let's assume, that, let's assume that it's right. Let's assume a correction is 10%, just for the sake of the argument. I don't agree, but let's assume it is. The question I next have for people is, okay, so now what? What does that tell you? What do you do? What does it change about how you invest, what you buy, what you sell, how you think? And the answer should be, if you're a decent, normal, hardworking, well-thinking investor, absolutely nothing. There's nothing that's different at 10.1% down that isn't true at 9.9% down just because we've got a correction. Everyone goes, oh, it's a correction. Yeah. It satisfies our need as humans to categorize, right? We love categorizing stuff. We'll categorize about anything and buy anything. That's the basis of, of bigotry and stereotypes, basically. We'll do that as a matter of course because we feel like we should and we want to. But there is absolutely nothing different to do at 10.1% down that you wouldn't do at 9.9% or vice versa. And the fact that people hang on to these labels and want to apply them and then defend them, the defense I got on Twitter, people say, no, it's definitely a correction because my question rhetorically is, well, why do you care? Why are you so so keen to defend this, this label as if it means something? There is nothing you should do at 10% down that you wouldn't do at 5% down or 15% down based on where the share market is and where it's not. So yes, people want to love the term. They love the phrase. They want to, they want to comment, hang on these, these historical exercises. It's fine. It is what it is. Same as bloody market levels, by the way. The ASX is 5,600 points or God knows what. There is absolutely nothing. There's no point. There is no use. It is a waste of time. And if you're obsessing about it, you're reading about it, you're worried about it, you are being misled, you are anchoring. And Doc mentioned that earlier today. Anchoring is a stupid thing to do. We all do it, by the way. So this is not a criticism necessarily of those who do anchor because we're all inclined to do it because we're human. What I am ranting about is the fact that people, then, when challenged about it, say, no, no, it's important because I will say in the nicest possible words, that is complete bulls. Uh, anyway, let's move on. You just don't like people having something to write about in the media, do you? I'm, you're, just, you're just taking over everybody's job. I'm you know? a big fan of our friends in the media. I, I do happen to myself occasionally write in some of our more august mm. mastheads. Mm. And I do have a lot of time for our colleagues and friends in the in the stock market and in, in journalism. I just think you've got to remember that it's it's a nothing term, right? We categorize because we, as humans, want to. You know what? See, you asked. I was I was finished. This is. Okay. I'm, I'm pointing my finger okay. now, Doc. Okay. It's his fault. <laughs> I'm going to one little bit longer. Okay. We categorize, as I said, because we're humans. It's what we tend to do. This is the very you know successful investing is about overcoming 
those inherent psychological biases. So it's not and not having them because we all have them, right? So there's no, no point pretending it. But the, the, the very essence of successful investing, the, literally the thing that differentiates the successful from the non-successful is the ability to look past the general tendencies of humanity that affect everybody else in the market and do something different. That's very, very specifically the exact point. That's what you've got to focus on. Mm-hmm. Cool. Love well, it. I feel a little bit better. Okay. I'm almost having my drive this morning. <laughs> All right, Phil. That wraps us up. But before we go, don't forget you can subscribe to the Triple M Motley Fool Money podcast, and we think you should, through iTunes or your favorite Android podcast app for the forward-thinking Android users amongst us. Ooh. And if you like what we're doing, please do give us a big fat five stars. Make a comment, leave a review. It helps other people find the podcast, makes us a little bit more well-known because, hey, in these times of uncertainty in the market, everybody could use a little bit of foolish insight, I reckon. Absolutely. As I said, I'm currently on the Kokoda track. Hopefully, I'll be back, but not next week. Next week, we're going to bring you a pre-recorded piece, a new one, of course, because we have net never yet missed a week, and we will never, fingers crossed, miss a week. Until then, though, fool on. Fool on. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. The Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691.